The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Let me tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. On this episode of the Heat Check... It's the last podcast of the NBA All-Star break, even though there were games on today. And even though I'm on my vacation as well, spending time with my family, I will not leave you hanging. We're going to go over my three teams that will surge and my three teams that I think will fade during the stretch run. And we also get into a little news from around the league. So let's get into it, Anthony. Drop that motherfucking beat. It should be done. addition on a house that was built in 1933, my childhood home in Portland, Oregon, the land of the uglies. And we have about 30 games left in the season, which is wild, considering that it feels like the NBA season just started. If you have ever been in Portland, you know what I'm talking about. It was so, it's so bad right now. I went to Bill Burr tonight, and I was talking about how ugly the people were in the crowd. And then that was the first thing that Bill Burr talked about is, yo, you guys are really leaning in to being fucking disgusting, looking with food in your beard and your trucker hats. Anyway, it's not what this is about. I am going to give you my three teams that I think will surge going forward and the three teams uh, that I think will sink uh, in the final third of the season. It's actually pretty simple. I think the good teams are going to still be good and the bad teams that are fading are going to continue to be bad, but here's why. Number one, number 
top team that I think is going to continue to blast forward, continue their reign and their dominance because they figured some things out. We start with the Minnesota Timberwolves. They are a surging team already. Not surprisingly, as everyone from Brian Windhorst to Zach Lowe uh, has been all over the Timberwolves and why they're so good. Also, Mike Conley got his bag. Congratulations that they, he needed that, and they need that. Because without him and D'Lo inserted into this team, oh my God. I actually think D'Lo might have been the reason that things were so bad for this team last year. I was on the Wolves, Wolves. I don't know why I said Wolves, in the offseason as a team to watch. Not because I'm smarter than anyone else, uh, but because I've been predicting it for three straight years, and I hoped that I would be right at some point. I believe in the brain trust in Minnesota, Tim Connolly. I love Tim Connolly. Look what he's built in Denver. Uh, I've been believing in him before Denver even won a championship, and I looked fucking silly, and then I looked silly again, and now I look like a genius. I thought Chris Finch was a very good coach. Nick Nurse, not a disciple because they came up together in Europe, but also a Nick Nurse is he still part of the Nick Nurse NBA coaching tree? I feel like he is. Um, like I said, Tim Connolly, Chris Finch, I loved it. And God Almighty did it look bad for a while last year. Everyone was calling the Rudy, including me, the Rudy Gobert trade the worst trade of all time. Up there with the Vikings trading Herschel Walker to the Cowboys. But in reality, it was more the fact that the Wolves had a plethora of injuries last year. Remember? Uh, one of the McDaniels boys, he punched a wall, broke his hand, couldn't play in the playoffs. Yeah, that happened. Uh, it was D'Lo for most of the season, like I said, point guard of nobody. I think the Lakers right this very second, who just got blown out by the Warriors, would hoped to have maybe been of sound mind and body at the trade deadline, even though he had a couple of nice weeks right beforehand. That's called the finesse. Um, I arched my eyebrows, and this is when it happened, was when they played against the Nuggets in the playoffs. They played Denver off the court for three out of the five games, but did Wolves things, right? Like, they have been doing this. They did this against the Memphis Grizzlies the year before, where they just, they just throw up, you know? They're up all game, and you're like, we in Minnesota now. And then it's like, nope, you're home, staying home. They lost the series 4-1. Jokic said that was the toughest series that they had all playoffs in Minnesota. And my interest after that was officially peaked. They then went out and re-signed Nas Reed to a long-term deal. And I thought, hmm, something's up here. I like this. This team has three very good to great centers under contract. They're doubling down on defense. And guess what? And guess what? And guess what? This season, they've been the best defensive team in the NBA. How good have they been defensively? As a team, their defensive rating is 108.8 which is over two points better than the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are at second place at 111. That is as big of a gap as there is between the fifth-ranked defense in the league and the 15th-ranked defense, which is the L.A. Lakers. Sorry, Anthony. Rudy Gobert right now is a lock for Defensive Player of the Year. The rest of the team probably going to make all all defense, really. like I think there's going to be three, four guys that, that are all defensive players. They're rangy. They're opportunistic. Even Carl Anthony Towns is averaging nearly two stocks a game in his last 10 games. But that's been happening all season, and that's not why I think they're going to surge. Why I'm thinking that they're going to surge is because they have struggled on offense for the first half of the season. 
But now, baby, ooh, they cooking in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. He oh, yeah. Heading into the break in their last 10, their offensive rating is 120.8, which is fifth in the NBA. During that stretch, they're effective. Meh, let me put my glasses on. Meh, effective field goal percentage is 58.6%, second in the NBA. Shooting an NBA best 41.6% from three in, the, in their last 10. That's fucking sick. Oh, my goodness. And the kicker is uh, the Wolves' defensive rating in their last 10 is 108.1, which is actually better than their league-leading league 108.8. If you are the Denver Nuggets, you should be fucking scared because they are number one, and you're right about to see them in the second round. This can, If this team can play defense, lock up, switch on defense, also, be able to hit threes consistently. They are going to be very hard to beat in the postseason. This is a team that their upside, dare I say, dare I say, is the NBA Finals. If they get just a bit lucky. Moving on, we move on to another team that I think is going to surge. This one's for you, my man, Marquise. My friend Marquise and I, prior to the NBA season, had a, um, had a bet. And I think the Mavericks are trash. And he has faith that they will make the playoffs. And I feel bad and sick to my stomach and gross that I will foresee and do foresee that the Mavericks will surge uh, in the last 25 to 28 games of the season. I was very hard on the Mavericks earlier this year, and that is because they really don't care about building a team around Luka Doncic. They don't. They haven't shown that. They let Jalen Brunson just talked about it on his podcast. He asked them. He begged them twice. Hey. Could you just give me half of what I'm worth? Four years, $54 million. They're like, mm, no, give it 30 games. 30 games comes, 30 games goes. What about that four years, $54 million. Mm, No, go out into the open market. Has 44 points open in the game without Luka against the Utah Jazz. Uh, struck while the iron was hot. And then they were like, hey, what about that four years, $54 million. And he said, you know what, fuck you. I'm out of here. That all changed at the trade deadline. They were one of the very few teams to actually improve and be active. They picked up very well-needed rim protection in Daniel Gafford without Derek Lively, who's been injured. They stole, I don't know how they got P.J. Washington from the Hornets. I'm still stunned by this. He just signed a deal. He wanted to stay there. Who knows why. In his first three games in Dallas, all three wins by an average of 22 points. P.J. had a cumulative plus-minus of plus 51, which is an absurd stat, but it does reflect the intangibles that he can bring to the team. If he stays away from Brittany Renner, all things are good. He had 14-5-1 and a 30-point win against OKC. Gafford, by the way, has had seven blocks and two steals in his three games, which is what this team has been missing greatly. There are three reasons that I like the Mavs going forward. One, they have the seventh highest net rating in the NBA in their last ten games. They are playing excellent team basketball. And the more that Daniel Gafford and P.J. get integrated into the team, I think the better that they're going to play. Second, schedule is very easy down the stretch. Ninth easiest strength is schedule. This is going to matter when you play bad teams who are looking to tank for the lottery position. They are laying down, and they are staying down. Teams like the Pistons, who they play twice, the Raptors, the Hornets, ugh, they might win those games by 25 points each. Finally, Kyrie Irving is apparently very fully healthy for the first time this year, and it shows. He's been back six games, all wins by an average of 18 points, and he has put up big numbers. 
How big? 27, 6, and 6 with two stocks, stocks, stocks per game. And during that same stretch, Luka is 30, 10, and 9 with two and a half stocks per game. Kyrie continues to elevate those around him, including one of the best players in the world, Luka Doncic. I don't know why the Doncic was so hard to say, but it is 10.30 at night, which means 1.30 on the East Coast. If Dallas can stay healthy, this is a problem. They are a big-time problem going forward. The third team that I think will continue to surge are the Cleveland Cavaliers. I know. It's a bold choice picking a team that went 18-2 and into the All-Star break, but, you know, that's just the kind of maverick that I am, you know? I'm willing to step outside in the cold and predict something that's already happened. But I do think that this is a team that was not going to slow down over the final third. Here's why. One, their defense is elite. We just talked about that. They only trail the Timberwolves in defensive rating. They're holding opponents under 100 points in seven of the last 20 games. And Evan Mobley has been excellent. He came back 10 games ago. He's averaging 15, 10, and 3 with two stocks, stocks, stocks per game. And the Cavs are 10 and 1 in their last 11. Jared Allen is a beast, 17, 12, and 2. He's averaging 12 fucking rebounds a game with two stocks per game. I mean, everybody's getting stocks. I mean, he's more stocks than the fucking NASDAQ over here, okay? Second, the team is deep. You do not lose two all-star quality players like Darius Garland and Jared Allen for long stretches. Or Mobley, excuse me, not Jared Allen, Mobley. And still win if you don't have guys who can play. Somehow, Sam Merrill came out of nowhere. Dean Wade, Isaac Okoro, they've been playing really well in emergency minutes. And that means, come playoff team time in the rotation, they do not need to be quite so tight. Donovan, Allen, Mobley, they can rest if they need to more than normal down the stretch. And they have a really easy schedule. They play the Spurs three times, the Hornets twice, the Wizards. Oh, my God, did you see what they did? Jordan Poole, baby. Raptors, Blazers, Grizzlies, once each. That is what we call a cupcake schedule down the stretch. Cleveland. Cleveland might fuck around and be the number two seed in the East. Woo-wee! Let's talk about teams to fade. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. They they got real problems over there. Everybody and their moms already weighed in on uh, the whole J.J. Reddick, Doc Rivers feud, the Pat Beverly, the Austin Rivers, you know, all that nonsense. J.J. Reddick comes after Doc, internet dog piles on Doc as a result, we know he's bad, right? Like, that's been what we've been talking about for years, so this is not new. Uh, things don't look great, though, moving forward. Why? Well, number one, the vibes aren't great. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. But I think it actually is worse than that and gets worse than that. They have the third most difficult schedule down the stretch. They play Boston twice, Minnesota once, OKC twice, Clippers twice, Suns once. By the way, the Suns... In net rating category, I think top five in their last 10. Knicks once. 14 of their last 26 games are on the road. Dame, Dame time, just came out with a new watch. Maybe he got his swagger back in the three-point contest and MVP-like qualities, MVP award winner in the All-Star game. Maybe that got his groove back. But his last 10 games, his shooting is been horrendous. 31% from three. I think that's a career low. He's shooting 40% from the field overall. Uh, Chris Middleton, nowhere to be found. He's been banged up and on a milk carton. The role players, we know what time it is with Doc Rivers and role players. He just doesn't use them. Don't want them. Don't want to see them. Who? Like, 
you you said what? I don't know who you even are. A t- thin team with a coach who's not going to go to his bench. That is just trouble. On top of that, this team isn't focused at all. They lost to the Grizzlies with multiple G League players playing in that game. And he had the audacity to say that their mind was in Cabo. I'm not sure how the vibes change moving forward. And now you got Giannis making jokes that he doesn't watch any basketball and the internet's freaking out. Dane's leaving Giannis off of his top five players to play with list. And to set the record straight, Giannis watches a lot of film which he noted in his latest tirade. The fact that he's having tirades instead of making dad jokes tells you everything you need to know about the team. Uh, if I have to talk more in the film sessions like I've been doing all year, if I have to fucking grab the fucking board and write something down, if I don't, I don't know, but you just cannot let opportunities like this go to waste. We have to stop feeling bad for ourselves. I'm tired of this. We have to stop doing that. Things are not going to be given to us. We have to go out and take it. Like I've played with guys that never felt bad about themselves. Came in, did their job, went home, did their job, went home, did their job. That's what we have to do. Ooh, boy. Did he say he was watching film? Yep, said he was watching film. Oh, boy, Giannis, dude is mad. And this is what he had to say about Damian Lillard. I'm his biggest fan, good or bad. I ride with Dame until the fucking end. I ride with Dame. Like I've been saying this over and over again. This is his team down the stretch. He's going to get the ball. Can someone tell Brooke Lopez that? There's nothing else that we're going to do. I don't know how else, to, how else to put it. I don't know what else to say. Y'all, I think you guys need to get on board. Give the ball to Dame down the stretch. Or Giannis is about to dip set and take Dame the fuck with them. This is a team about three more losses away from a catastrophic meltdown. And I think they're probably going to win like... They're probably a six seed, five seed. Jesus. Knicks, another team to fade. Alert, alert. Julius Randle is not well. Julius Randle gave us an update yesterday, and it was how we say... Concerning. Apparently, Julius Randle hasn't ruled out going under the knife for season-ending surgery on his dislocated shoulder. As you might imagine, he was a key piece of their playoff run. OG Ananobi, another key piece. They were playing excellent basketball when he was on the floor, even without Julius Randle. Don't know when he's coming back. He said, I hope to be back. I feel confident I will be back. Before the playoffs begin, fam, fam, it was supposed to be two weeks for you to come back, be reevaluated, get back on the floor. It's been a month, and you're still like, I don't know. This is dicey. If my man OG Anobi's out another 25 games, that hurts things as well. Mitchell Robinson, he's hopeful to be back. All these boys are hopeful to be back, but are we hopeful? That's the question. I'm not. Without two of those three, good night to the Knicks. Good night. So it's mostly on the shoulders of Brunson, Hart, DiVincenzo, the Villanova boys, but they're starting podcasts. What the fuck? Like, what the fuck? Get (laughs) off the mic. Get on the court. I'm not even one of those people, but Jesus Christ, I think you're like three and six since you started the podcast. They play the Nuggets, Thunder, Cavs, Bucks, and Boston twice. They, they, They have a middle of the road schedule, but golly, Cleveland surging, all these injuries. It is going to be hard to stop falling to five or six by the end of the season, especially considering the Knicks are just 500 on the road this year. And then finally, the Sixers. Oh, boy. 
They said Embiid's coming back, but do you believe him? Do you believe Embiid's going to be able to get into form and be his MVP self by the time that the playoffs start? I don't see it. I'd love to see it, but I don't I don't believe it. Every year, by the way, we get roped in, right? Embiid's going to be fully healthy this year. He's going to play all 82 games. He gave us a solid, like, 50, 40 games, 35 games, whatever it was. It felt like he was going to play all 82. This was the year he was supposed to be a beast from 1 to 82, and now I'm not even sure if we're going to see him again. They have the ninth hardest schedule left in the NBA. It is bad. They have one of the worst net ratings in the league right now in their last 10 games, mostly because, right, they can't defend a goddamn person without their best rim protector, Joel Embiid, one of the best in the league. It's going to be tough sledding uh, to defend any of those other players uh, that are going to be trying to give you buckets in the paint. They're probably only going to be favored in nine of the last remaining 28 games. If they only win those nine of 28, which the rest of the schedule does not look good, they would finish 41 and 41, which would put them right around the nine seed in the plan tournament where the Chicago Bulls are right now. How did things go so badly outside of losing Embiid for maybe the whole year? Look no furthest, further than Toby, Tobias Harris, who was so good earlier this year with Joel Embiid. And so bad this late without Joel Embiid. In his last four games, he's been a negative 13 on an average. That is that is unacceptable. I mean, people are very mad. Maybe it's because he's banged up. He's missed five of his last 11 games. In the first game back from the break, he had 7, 4, and 3 in 27 minutes. Negative 17 on the floor. Maxi has been... A disappearing act as well, David Copperfield. Since his 51-point explosion, he's averaged a negative 13.5 on the floor, plus-minus nerd stat, get it? Even when he puts up 35 like he did against the Knicks, still a negative 14. The one sliver of good news is that Kyle Lowry has arrived in, in Philly, and he says he knows his role. He says he's willing to do whatever it takes. Congratulations, Philly. You found Toronto Raptors, Kyle Lowry, because we haven't seen that in a minute. He's been playing golf and doing not a goddamn thing, but just loafing. He had 11 in his debut and was a plus four in 25 minutes. I think that Nick Nurse pairing is good for him. But this team is in trouble, folks. If they flame out, New York is calling. They're going to try to throw the bag at Philly, and the process will begin again. And I will be the all right, let's move into some news from around the league. As everyone knows by now, the Brooklyn Nets used the smokescreen of NBA All-Star Weekend to unceremoniously fire Jacques Vaughn. They thought that they were just going to squeeze it in on a dead week where no basketball was being played. La, 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 Jacques Vaughn's been released. And let me tell you, I don't think anyone was really surprised outside of the timing. This has been building since that that fateful night when Jacques Vaughn decided to rest every single starter and every single rotation player for no reason in a home game against the Milwaukee Bucks. What a strange ride it's been for Jacques Vaughn. We thought maybe years ago he was destined to take this team to the promised land. He was supposed to get the job. He was the interim coach for Kenny Atkinson when he got fired. Then, uh, 
he took over for Steve Nash when Steve Nash snaked him for the job, then he got fired. And then he and Sean Mark sort of drove the franchise off a cliff. Not Thelma and Louise style, but like more like uh, you take too many edibles and then all of a sudden your foot slips off the gas and then a fucking semi just runs right into you and then you run off the cliff like that. That's the same guy who gave the keys to the offense to Cam fucking Thomas while kind of not wanting to, but kind of doing it, but then kind of not doing it. So, like, everyone's pissed off in the process. Mikael Bridges is standing around being like, I can play basketball as well. And we're going to have to do a deep dive into this. We keep saying it. We keep saying we're going to do a deep dive. Let me just tell you this. Sean Marks, got to go, baby. Josiah, I don't know what Sean Marks has on Josiah because – Something is amiss here. They're out on the streets saying that they're going to figure out a way to get two more superstars around Mikael Bridges. Mikael Bridges says, oh, adversity strikes. Like, I know about all my buddies are, like, just across town, but, like, I want to stay here. Like, no, you don't. Barclays sucks. The Brooklyn Nets organization as a franchise and a brand is not good. And they have been so dysfunctional for the past decade and more that no star in their right mind would want to play there. I was shocked Kyrie and KD wanted to go there. I honestly think that when Kyrie chose that, he was on peyote. So, Kevin Ollie is the interim head coach. There's zero chance he gets the job, and if he does, holy shit. In his intro presser, he gave us his best Eric Thomas meets Tony Robbins thing. I want hunters. This is like a real quote. I want hunters. If you hunt... You play. If you don't hunt, you won't play. What the fuck? What is a hunter? What is a hunter? Can, like, we put baskets in the hoop and stop other players from putting baskets in said hoop? Like, that's really the game. The rumor is that Mike Budenholzer is going to lead uh, as the leading candidate. He's got experience. He's got chip under his belt. Let's get random. Let's get random. Let's play some defense. Uh, Bud has been successful everywhere he, he's gone in the regular season. He'll win you 55 games, and he'll get you to the second round unless Kevin Durant puts his foot on the line. We will keep a close eye on these nets. Even though the dumpster fire is smoldering right now, nothing about this organization has been fixed, I promise you. Finally, Jalen Brunson, as I intimated earlier, went on all the smoke and eviscerated the Dallas Mavericks organization. He confirmed, which I believe Mark Cuban has denied multiple times, that he did indeed approach the Mavericks not once but twice during his last season in Dallas about, hey, just like pay me four years, $55 million. And not only was he rebuffed and rejected, but worse than that, after he fucking bald in the playoffs, helping the Mavs to get to the Western Conference Finals, a place that they should not have been. He heard Cuban on TV say that Dallas could offer Brunson the most money that any other team could, but then never heard a single word from the Mavs' office after that. He said not a peep. Those were the exact words that Brunson used. Is this... The most malfeasant front office decision in NBA history. You could have had an all-star point guard. Literally an all-star starter. Who Luca loved. Who fit in perfectly on the team. 
for $13 million a year. For four years. That is absurd. Everyone, Nico, Mark Cuban, Jay Kidd, Luca, everyone involved in this decision-making should be fucking gone. Luca should be the only man left standing. And if they're gone, should be rehired and then fired again. I swear to God, I knew that they were bad, but this might go down as one of the worst front office decisions in the NBA in a long, long time. Golly, what could have been with Jalen Brunson? Can't say I hate it because I love to see him ball in New York. That's all the time that we have for this episode of the Heat Check. Come back for an all-new episode and check out the feed for past episodes and mini-episodes, which drop unexpectedly like confetti at the Super Bowl. Do not forget to follow the Heat Check as we finish out the season. That means download. That means subscribe. That means tell your friends. All of them. Even that quintessential Portland guy wearing shorts and a vest with nothing underneath of it and a blanket in his hand to lay out on the grass because why? We've seen the sun now for more than 45 minutes and it's 45 degrees outside. Tell him, hey, put on a fucking shirt and while you do, grab your iPhone, put on Trista's Heat Check, download it and subscribe, tell your friends and follow us on social at this Heat Check and that Trista on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter.